Hello, this is David Johnson from Outside In and you're listening to the Best of Belfast. Matthew here with the Best of Belfast podcast, episode number seven. Today we have the awesome opportunity to sit down with David Johnson, the founder of a streetwear brand called Outside In. Outside In sell a bunch of really awesome products. You might have seen their beanies, jumpers, t-shirts floating around the place. But what really makes them different is their wear one, share one model. Basically what that means is anytime you buy a product, you're given a second additional product to give to a member of the homeless community right here in Belfast or anywhere around the world. We caught up with Dave to hear his story about how he founded this awesome company, how he was behind Humans of Edinburgh, a large Instagram page over in Scotland, and also hear how he almost drowned in the Amazon. Yeah, it's a pretty interesting one. If you guys would like to see a written version of this story, along with photos, links, and everything we end up talking about today, you can find that over on our website at bestofbelfast.org. We're also having a meetup to celebrate Outside In this month. Three best photos are going to get prizes from Outside In, and you're also going to have the opportunity to meet Dave live in the flesh at the Christmas market, where Outside In also have a stall. That's it for me for now. We're going to jump into today's show, and hope you guys really enjoy it. Cheers. David, man, what's the crack? Not much, mate. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show. Really, really appreciate it. The question we always like to start off with is, if you were to walk into an elevator and good old Liam Neeson was standing there and you had one lift ride up, how would you introduce yourself? What would your elevator pitch be? Okay, so basically I would say, hi, Liam. Big fan of who you are, but basically I'm going to tell you a quick story about sitting in. We're a wear one, chair one company. With every product you buy, we give a free product to someone on the street. We want to bridge the gap between society and those who are homeless. Boom. Give us a shout out on Instagram and Twitter, wherever <laughs> yep. you are, Liam. Tell us a wee bit about yourself. Who is David Johnson? So David Johnson went to university. Um, so I studied in Stirling in Scotland um, for four years. I graduated last year. Um, and yeah, I studied business management. I've always been into buying and selling ever since I was a kid. I've sold stuff at school. I would have sold on eBay and I've always known that I've wanted to start something for so for me, I just saw university as a time where I could have some breathing space to work out what that was going to be. So I had four years and I was like, by the end of this, I want to know what I want to do with my life. So I think I found that. <laughs> Nice. What did you study? Um, so I studied business management. Um, quite a vague degree in that you can go in so many different ways from that. But I really liked the marketing side of things when I was doing that and understanding consumers. So um, did a little bit of retail while I was um, at university and understanding that. So I think that kind of helped really for what we are doing now. Yeah. And how did develop over those four years to decide you wanted to start something like Outside In? Yeah, I've always kind of had a compassionate side um, but it never really was directed towards people on the street 
Um, but it was in my second year of university that one of my friends started Humans of Edinburgh. So Humans of Edinburgh, for those of you who don't know, is kind of like Humans in New York. We just kind of copied it uh, exactly the same, <laughs> that we go on the streets of Edinburgh, we would chat to anyone who was on the street, didn't have to be a tourist or someone who was local, and we would ask them questions that were vague enough that we could then work our way into asking them deeper questions. So we would start within five, ten minutes, we would have their whole life story in front of us, literally by starting with, how is your day? Um, we would then ask, what's your biggest regret? Who's been an inspiration in your life? Um, your funny story. And these were stories that connected people from around the world. And that's what I loved about the page was that it was out of my comfort zone and that I had never... There was a chance of rejection. And I think that's a fear we all have, is that going up to someone and them saying no... But the more you do it, the more confident you become, the more people believed in what you were doing. Even before you mentioned what you were doing, you would just say, can I take your picture? And suddenly people trusted you and they didn't even know what the picture was being used for. So I loved that aspect of, yeah, just finding out more about real people and real stories and sharing them and seeing that grow, even though we were only doing it once every two weeks. Yeah. And how did that page grow? Like what type of results were you guys seeing? Um, So it was mainly organic growth. We very seldom did we use boosted posts, but I feel like because the stories were so relatable um, and because it was in Edinburgh that we would, whether it was a funny story, it was mainly the stories of people who overcome tough times in their life and then had seen light at the end of the tunnel that people wanted to share that maybe with people who they knew were going through that or they were tagging people sharing it just loving real stories from Edinburgh their city and got probably a sense of this is where I live and I'm proud of the people who are here so I think we didn't play on that but we saw that as an important part of the page and yeah within two years we had 62 63,000 followers and it was something that could have easily been a full-time job, but sadly university was more important than, than the page. Yeah, man, cool. And so you graduated in Scotland. What happened after that? So yeah, I graduated in Scotland, but during that time of the page, we then, this is where kind of outsetting came from, is that we realized there were so many people on the streets, but we had kind of ignored their stories. Um, it was something I got convicted of and actually when we sat down and started talking to these people we realised that they were real people of course but that a lot of the reasons why they were on the street were outside of their control that um, it was external factors that they couldn't be to blame and yeah they had so many skills, passions and dreams even though they were in one of the lowest points of their life and that's what really challenged me was that we are on some of the busiest streets in Edinburgh, Princess Street, George's Street, um, but nobody really cares for these people. And like the footfall's crazy, but some of them were saying to me, you're the first person to speak to me today. And I was like, wow, like how can it be that in 2016 that we're in the busiest streets, but people are so lonely, even though they're placing themselves in streets that hopefully people will interact and they're still not getting interaction. Um, so that's when I realized that these people need help and we started sharing these stories and when we shared these stories people responded straight away and being like wow I never realised that this was the case Um, people wanted to help whether it was telling some of the positive aspects of homelessness I used to go to uni here this is my dream job people wanted to help these people achieve these things Um, because I feel like it was a personal story rather than a statistic that people were more emotionally attached Um, and I feel like for me that was something I realised that when I 
put a name to a face or when I heard a story I couldn't walk past that person anyway again because they weren't just a statistic or someone on the street that was a real person who I now know who was nearly like a friend um so I think that was why how I wanted to challenge people was that people are fed up seeing statistics but if we can use humans of Edinburgh to actually hear stories that will in some way stir people up to be passionate about these people in the streets and come up with their own ways of doing something um so that kind of is where the idea birthed and we saw a whole dynamic change of what humans of Edinburgh was that maybe humans in New York and those other pitches didn't have that was our unique selling point but when I left um, Stirling University and came back home I knew I wanted to do something with homeless it was stirred up in my heart I had just I don't know I just wanted to help these people and I, I felt like that page was one way of doing it but now that I was away I couldn't really do Humans of Edinburgh when I had to move back home even that summer before I moved home I was travelling a bit and I realised homelessness is a global issue and that's what really opened my eyes is that we're not just talking about Edinburgh we're not talking about Northern Ireland we're talking about a global issue which over 100 million people worldwide are homeless Um, and I saw it in Cape Town I saw it in Paris and that's when I realised that we need to come up with a global solution um, if it's a global problem. So I sat down um, with a guy called Dave Linton at Madlug um, just for some mentorship. I'd heard a lot about social enterprises. I knew that I wanted to create something like Blake Mikowski's Tom's one-for-one one model. I loved that one-for-one one model, but for me, it didn't get people involved enough. It, most people I spoke to didn't even know that Tom's had a social impact, which I found crazy that people are willing to just buy these shoes for the fashion aspect which maybe can work in their favour as well but I wanted people to know what this company that I was setting up was going to be so I looked at the one for ones it's a saturated market I felt and chatted to Dave and he really kind of yeah opened my mind up to why am I doing what am I wanting to achieve from outside in and I think for me the achievement was to open up people's perspectives change people's perspectives but the only reason that I got to know these stories was my camera and my camera was a vessel that connected me to these people in the streets which I never would have had before so it was about creating a model that gave people that same purpose that connected them to people in the streets and I felt that we could do one for one and tell stories and hopefully that would get people in the street but that's where I took the risk and come up with the wear one share one where actually you get the free additional product with your purchase to give to someone in the street and that's where I believe that it birthed was coming out of university and sitting down with a few people and and of course a lot of people had their doubts but but like the risk was worth it. David what can you tell us about the homeless situation in Belfast? So visible homeless is quite low within Belfast you maybe will have 14 to 16 people per night sleeping on the streets now that is looking to rise I've been doing this now for a year and I personally have seen more people in the streets um, per night so although the the numbers and statistics seem quite low I would say by this time next year we are going to probably see that double Um, when we talk about homelessness I feel like when I started this it was about streets just like totally about streets but now what I realise is that there's so many families that it's invisible homelessness that it could be couch surfing that it can be um yeah in houses that aren't even deemed livable and so uh, last year eleven thousand people 
um, applied and were accepted for being homeless in Northern Ireland. So that's a statistic that many people don't know, but actually just shows the depravity that even is within Northern Ireland. Um, so outside in, at the start, for me, it really meant getting those here outside on the streets in. Um, but the more I spoke to charities, the more I spoke to people on the street, whether they were just on the street during the day and then going to accommodation was that outside in stands for way more than that because every story is different and we want those who are deemed outside of society in. So it changes the game that it's not just about streets. It can be about refugees and I want outside in to look at the bigger picture in that these people deserve to be a part of our community they deserve to be a part of Belfast Northern Ireland and even some of the refugees we've spoke to who have been here a year and two months and they haven't had one visitor come to their door to me that's not being part of a society um, and a community so I want outside in to challenge people to whether it's next door if you know there's someone who is as such homeless or a refugee that we have a right to welcome them into society so whether it's using our products or whether it's our stories that can compel and transform people's perceptions of refugees or homelessness, I want that to be the core of what we do. You mentioned about visible homelessness. Mm. What does that mean? You know, what, what visible homelessness versus invisible homelessness? What's that all about? Yeah, so visible homelessness is when you're walking down the street and you'll see someone, um, whether it's tapping, as they call it, begging, um, or someone sleeping at night in a doorway. Um, that's the stuff that we see on a day-to-day basis. Um, so the invisible as such would be more couch surfing, staying at people's houses, maybe out during the day, but then at nighttime they disappear. Um, or it could just be, yeah, someone in a, such as last week I saw a guy who has a house, but it's flooded and he was on the street because of that and he wasn't able to get any help to clear the flooding. So yeah, there's as I see it, there's visible and invisible homelessness. And of course, invisible is tough for us personally to find. But that's why working with charities such as the Simons Community, Welcome, Storehouse, that's the way that we can come together and actually combat homelessness together. So around Christmas time, there seems to be a increase in homelessness. And, you know, you have um, around the Christmas market and, you know, on the, the main streets in Belfast. And there is a perception in the public eye of real skepticism and i suppose what i would really like to hear from you is how do you address that skepticism you know you have a lot of different thoughts you have a lot of different people saying you know you can't trust people some people are just doing it for the money and there's all these kind of quite negative um attitudes around homelessness around this time of year um how would you address some of those issues yeah i feel like those are big issues that I had to start with. Even when we look at the where one share one model, um, was that do we? How do we trust people? How do I even trust? Never mind people in the street. How do I trust consumers that they're actually going to give it out? Um, but for me, the risk was way better. Um, the opportunity that the the risk created was far greater um, than the negative. And for me, even people say, look what happens if someone keeps on to that hat and doesn't give it out? And of course that's a risk. But for me, even if 30% of those people actually give out those hats, well, there's 30% of interactions that would never occurred had our model not been created. And that's 30% of interactions that's going to help those people that are on the streets that we don't. I feel like 
interaction is key to outside in that I want people to know that yes, we do aware one, share one, you get that second product, but that second product will not transform homelessness. It won't end homelessness either. I know that. But interaction is the first step, I believe, in transforming homelessness. That there's statistics that have come through that hopelessness is one of the biggest killers that actually it's the same as smoking 20 a day. Now, if hopelessness can kill someone, well then why can your words of hope then not build someone up in that street? We don't realise how powerful words are. I know that I hold on to things that maybe people said two or three years ago negative about me. Well, how would it not be the same for someone on the street? And if they're constantly being told that on a day-to-day basis, there's not much for them that they see worth living for or purpose or or finding their own identity whereas we have a chance an opportunity to actually step in and say you are worth something i believe in you i trust in you i've heard your story i don't know how you've went through that but you're a testament testament to myself and and keep to keep going even when times are tough so i feel like with interaction and the giving aspect yeah great if someone already has that hat at least it gives you another opportunity to speak to that person especially at christmas they're given 10 items of food but not many of them are actually given time like they are given so much money and so much food but time is one of the greatest gifts that we have but we're not willing to share it with these people because yeah we don't trust them so i feel like your perceptions will be changed when you sit down and speak to these people do they have an iPhone 7? Maybe. What's their story behind that? What have I learned from that? What In Scotland, I, I met many of people who had iPhone 6s, iPhone 7s, but what I realized was that these people had a story behind it. Some of them were from Syria who were graphic designers who had lost everything in their, in their, their country, had come over here. And what would I lift if I had to leave my home and I had nothing left? I would probably lift my phone as a, as a means of contact and communication. First thing I would lift. But then when we see someone in the street with that straight away, we don't believe that they're worth our time or money. Um, So I feel like stories and interaction are the key to changing our perceptions of, is this person genuine or not? Why not sit down with them and find out first? So what you're saying is that the extra product that Outside In provides, yes, it's functional. Yes, it can keep somebody warm, but it's almost more like an opportunity for an interaction Mm. it's like your camera when you were doing uh, humans of edinburgh it just is like a vessel for you to sort of bridge the gap between you and someone who you've never met before yeah exactly so it just i believe that you could read our stories and then you might be inspired but i believe that we all need a reason to do it and my reason was my camera i could have read a million stories of homelessness and really touched my heart but unless someone gave me something to actually give to someone, then that's, I believe it just increases our likelihood of speaking to someone by actually giving you a product. And yeah, it's great for them. We, one thing that we want to do is give them branded products and stuff that's of the highest quality, the same quality you get, because as we call it outside in, well, they deserve the same quality that you get. They deserve the same brand. And I know that goes against fashion that, fashion when i worked in retail was all about status quo and the hierarchy of brands creating social identity well outside in goes against that because we're giving you a product to give to someone that you're also going to wear so the the brands such as supreme stussy huff it's all about the cool kids wearing it whereas we're actually saying are you willing to wear something that someone on the streets wearing because they're just as much as a human as you are so it totally goes against fashion we're turning fashion on its head i believe but it's an opportunity therefore to make people rethink 
what who is my identity what do what do i stand for and i believe i said and we can do that yeah so let's say one of our listeners goes on your website gets a hat and gets the extra product to give away mm-hmm. what advice would you give them to maybe have that interaction for the first time you know a lot of people have never stopped with someone on the street and it can be extremely nerve-wracking you know and there's all these things in your head what really practical tips would you give um for that first few interactions yeah so the reason i would say in that we went for small products is that we wanted something that you could carry on a daily basis that you weren't going to have a negative impact if you didn't meet someone and had brought something heavy in and had to bring it home so the likes of wash bags and beanies are something that can fit in a bag and so we also do provide giving guidelines as such so you may not meet someone on the first day but at least you have that product there with you at times that you may find it um find someone eventually that's near where you're going um but we also with the giving guidelines we created small steps that we believe make it safer for people and encourage people that actually okay this isn't as bad as i thought but during the day is something that we believe is has to be to be safe we don't want people going down dark alleyways and at nighttime on their own drunk and handing out a hat because then we're liable for telling people to do so so i i think in groups of two or three um during the day well-lit places public places and that's where people who are homeless are most likely to be anyway so these guidelines equip you to have a safe interaction as such with these people so i believe yeah the given guidelines are a great tool to actually helping it to be an experience but i also know that it is scary going for the first time i found it scary the first time i went up to someone asked them for their picture but we could easily go through life and be comfortable like it's it's so easy to take the the quick and easy way in life but life's so short that you want to take risks you want to challenge yourself in such a way that you don't realize that actually when you give you're getting something out of it as much as they are as well and that's why i love being on the street outside in my dream is in 10 years time that i can be fully on the street and having a company that's running itself because i come alive on the street that's when i hear these stories i i get compassionate for these people but also i I see how much it means to them just giving them my time and although I feel like I'm not giving them anything actually you're giving them everything just by acknowledging them as a human being and speaking words of hope into their life so I wouldn't be worried about am I only giving a hat just listen to their story that's not hard to do we we do that to new people we meet every every day or we should and um, so yes it will be scary but try it that once and and I I believe that you will have a positive experience and it will challenge you to be like, okay, I need to do more. I want to do more that you will then have a passion as I never had a passion for homelessness before. I believe you'll have a passion as well. Yeah. And how can you maintain someone on the street's dignity Mm. during that interaction? Yeah. So I always say go down to their level as well. So I feel like the posture of standing up um, or standing really far away is treating them as nearly it's like a zoo as if you're visiting and not wanting to interact so i feel like getting down to their level whether it's sitting on the ground whether it's hunched down i believe that looking also at that person into their eyes just as you would a normal conversation with someone um not too big a group as well because you don't want it to look like it's it's like just overpowering for that person so i think 
think how would it be if it was your friend on the street that you knew what would you do to them if if it was someone that had and it is probably for some people they will have friends who are on the street so yeah i believe keeping their dignity is not by taking selfies of them on the street or or if you're given experience if they want to allow you to take a picture of say their hands or something some sort of like aspect that doesn't take away from that person I always said, and we were all about the dignity of those people in the streets. Their stories are precious. Um, so therefore, I've had times where I've given out stuff in the streets and people have said I wouldn't let, let my granny even wear that. And it, it takes you back at the start because you, you're you like, wow, we actually, this is a real person and they have the right to refuse, whether it's our hats or wash bags or any products we give, is that we're human beings. We, we They deserve choice. So... I believe if you go into that conversation with no perceptions of this person is less than me, that I'd say we're all equal, um, that's how you will be given dignity to them. And they'll see that straight away by how, whether you get down and chat to them as you would a friend. So treat them, I would say, as a family or friend and show compassion when you're listening to their story. Would you say that outside in is primarily a belfast based organization or do you see yourself more as a, a global brand i believe it's key to to know where you start from um although we started in edinburgh the whole concept started here the charity started here um so my heart is to see homelessness ended in belfast but at the same time we do through social media, I believe we've been able to reach a wider audience, such as America. We've had orders from China, um, New Zealand, Finland, France, South Africa. Like Orders have come in all over the world. And I don't know these people, which for me is humbling that people just hear of these stories and connect straight away. Um, so although it starts here, I want to be a global streetwear brand. I want to, in five to ten years, be one of the top leading streetwear brands in the world up there with like Stussy, Supreme, Herschel, any of these brands, I believe that we can. We have that unique selling point at our core um, of helping people, which they can't really do. So they can't really change their business model to a wear one, share one when they've never done that. Whereas when that's the core of who we are, I believe we can see fast growth because people hear a story in New York and suddenly they want to give one out. And we've had stories of people giving out in the streets and sharing that um, across the world. So yeah, my dream is to see this in California and Skid Row and LA and San Francisco and New York. I believe that as we has have chatted about homelessness as a global issue. So globally, I want to see a solution to homelessness and see people coming together with their own ideas of what outsetting can do. Absolutely, man. Let's uh, let's switch gears a wee bit, and I'd like to dig in a wee bit more to you. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been lots of really cool things that you've been getting up to recently. Uh, first connected with you at the Para Video Conference. Yes. And um, it was awesome to hear you speaking on stage alongside some of the biggest YouTubers in the world. What was that experience like? Yeah, so basically we had seen on Twitter that um, Para Video were looking for stalls kind of just to sell at Para Video. Um, so I had heard of Casey Neistat the year before being at the Par Video and that was something, of course, for anyone who watches YouTube knows of Casey Neistat. I was like, even if there's an opportunity of someone of that level coming, I want to be a part of that, whether it's just selling a stall. Um, so I actually met up with the guy who runs that, Billy May, and 
that's when I got to tell him the story and I'll take any opportunity to tell the story of outside in. Um, and yeah, he was just blown away by the story and within 15, 20 minutes of chatting to him, he asked if I would like to have the opportunity to speak at, um, at the part of video and, I didn't really realize what that was until I saw the sheet of who was speaking. And when you're, yeah, when you're speaking beside what's inside guys or Philip Bloom and we're outside in at at that point, a five, six month old company, it's quite (laughs) overwhelming that you maybe have 5,000 followers and they have what, 5 million, 1 million subscribers. So that's an opportunity that we will never forget. And hopefully we can be a part of more. Um, But a lot of them, give us a lot of good feedback on what we were saying at um, the part video. And I think for them, it really, yeah, it opened their eyes to how YouTube and social media can, can be used to help other people. I feel like a lot of those YouTubers have done it for themselves and self-gratification, but what they're now realizing um, is that they can use that influence and followers to actually help other people. So I'm hoping that through Outside In and these opportunities, we can actually show how important social media is, but how it can actually benefit you, but benefit people at the same time. Absolutely, man. Do you have a favorite thing about Belfast? Hmm. It's nice that you can walk from one side to the <laughs> other. So whether it was in Glasgow or Melbourne that I was living for a while, yeah, it could take half an hour, one hour just to get to the other side of the city. So Although it's hard to find a parking space, even if you are at the other side of the city, you can make it in 10, 15 minutes. So I do like the small size of it and that I suppose the closeness of everyone that I always wondered could outside in work in Belfast, homelessness isn't a huge issue. But what I have found is, yeah, homelessness is a big issue. But what I love about Belfast is the the tight knit of people, the relational side of people that people just want to help you. Um from a business point of view, from personal point of view, that you're only one or two people away from someone who can help you out. And not everyone has an agenda as such, which I find weird because usually in Melbourne and Glasgow, someone wanted something from you and if you, if you were coming up with an idea. But over here, people are just willing to help. So I love that family community side of things. Absolutely, man. And who all has come alongside you on this journey you know you mentioned help you mentioned people come alongside you business and personally who are some of those people yeah so we do have a core team outside in um so we have guys like johnny fraser um who is an amazing photographer um shout out uh future looks good (laughs) but yeah guys like that who are just willing to offer their services um we have dave linton who has given us great mentorship um, Billy May who has constantly given us help with Power Video and next year's Power Video and even speaking to some of the YouTubers um, it's just people who are willing to sacrifice their time um, yeah, just to to help us such as our blogger as well we have a girl Judy Shaw um, who's been doing each blog every month and who is willing to go on the street and sacrifice time in order to just help to raise awareness of the issue so I feel like that's when you know it's bigger than one person that people are willing to just offer their skills because they believe in the vision of Outside In. Um, so it has been humbling and it's been great having guys like that who are busy as it is already and have a lot of people looking for their skills and services. But 
want to just help you out. Um, so I hope those are people that we can keep close to outside in as, as we do hope to grow. Dave, is it true that you guys are at the Christmas market this year? Yes, we can confirm that this year we were asked um, to be a part of the Christmas market in Belfast, which is a huge opportunity. Um, something we didn't expect to kind of have in our first year. Um, but yeah, we're really excited to have a stall that yeah brings... Last year they had 1.3 million footfall of people coming in over the space of four to five weeks. So to have that opportunity, not only to sell, but to speak to people about what we are doing, and especially because homelessness at Christmas time is a big issue, this is a great platform for us to really share our message and and to let no, more people know about Outside In. Awesome, man. If you could take yourself out for coffee before you went to university, what advice would you give yourself? Tell myself to be better at time management. Um, I'd probably have had a diary back then. I've only got one this year. So that would have been start planning your day um, per hour because, yeah, time really goes away really quickly. So and to be more sensible with money because back then you don't realize what you're wanting to do. So you might go into a coffee shop and spend £10, whereas now I'm very careful not to do that. So, yeah, I feel like saving money and being precious with time and organizing myself with time would have been definitely on the agenda. What has been the most challenging moment of your life? I nearly drowned in the Amazon, if that counts. Well, that's a pretty good story. Anyway, (laughs) so tell us more about that. So... I was part of a missions team out to Brazil, um, but after it, we decided, my friend and I decided to go to the Amazon um, for five days because you're not going to go the whole way to Brazil and not see the Amazon. I feel like that is a crime in itself. (laughs) So we were in a little retreat in the middle of the Amazon and yeah, we had kind of done the daily stuff of the excursions and the trips out to see different parts of the Amazon and there's a load of boats sitting down at the side of the river. And my friend and I thought, let's just get in one of these boats and see if we can make it to the other side. Now, the other side was probably like two, three hundred meters. Um, but it didn't look like much from the side. But when you get in that small boat and have like little um, oars, uh, we got basically a third of the way across <laughs> and water started falling in the canoe and the boat started to sink. And we had a choice. We either keep going and try and make it to the other side with a, and then empty the boat or we turn. So yeah, we basically were a third of the way across and it didn't take much sense to go back because there was a better chance of getting help even on that side. And um, so as we turned, of course, all the water poured into the boat and we sank. <laughs> so me panicking and not being the best of swimmers, <laughs> lay on my back and um, just floated down the river. <laughs> My friend, on the other hand, held onto the boat, which was the sensible thing to do as it does come back up and float. Mm. So there's me flying down the Amazon River with piranhas definitely below me. And thankfully, someone on the side had spotted us and was able to get a, a motorboat and come down and pick us up. But this was a few minutes later and I was convinced I was going to die in the Amazon. So wow. that, that was a challenging experience. What did you think about when you were on your back in the water? Um, I was... I knew that I couldn't swim to the shore, so I knew that it was going to be, where is this going to bring me? Um, but I was kind of laughing at the same time because I couldn't believe that I was this <laughs> stupid. So every time I laughed, water went in my mouth. Oh, so I was like, no. I'm going to die by laughing. So, And I'd heard drowning was a good way to go. So I, yeah. I was preparing myself for the worst. Good man.
What would you say the proudest moment of your life has been? Um, probably university. So for my dissertation, I I remember the woman saying, pick something you're passionate about. And this has really defined every decision I now make is that for your dissertation, they say, look, pick something you're passionate about because if you don't, it's those days that you struggle that it's going to be hard to motivate yourself to do it if you don't believe in what you're doing. And I looked at that as a bigger picture and being like, okay, well, this dissertation is a small example of what I want my life to look like. So my grand sadly had passed away with Alzheimer's um, two years before I was doing my dissertation. So I tried to link business and Alzheimer's. So I looked at with the increase of the disease of Alzheimer's, how can, how will businesses be impacted? Um, so my proudest moment was creating that research, which was picked for going in the European Journal of Marketing um, for that year. So I enjoyed every moment of doing it and went way over the, the limit. I think our limit was 12,000 words. I did 40,000. But for me, I was so passionate about what I was doing and finding the research and going to Alzheimer's like like meetups just to speak to people who were dealing with this disease that it really meant that I hope that someday people can use that um, dissertation and what I found out to, to help whether it's businesses or whether it's carers in order to understand how to help more with the disease. So for me, it was when that was finished, knowing that I had done something that was worthwhile, not only for myself, but that will help other people. 40,000 words. Did they even accept it? They didn't. So I got to 25. And I was like, met up with a woman. I was like, I'm really sorry, but I can't cut this. Yeah. And then she read over it and she was like, I don't want you to cut it. She was like, I'm going to speak to the board and get you an exception. So there was 25,000 in the actual main basis of it and yeah. then I put in the the appendix there was another like 20 yeah. 15,000 but it, I loved it like I, I used to go to Alzheimer's like meetups and chat to people who had front temporal vascular all different types of dementia but then I, it was really interesting because I did like 10 carers and 10 businesses to yeah. see the difference in do they believe it's a problem and we find that cafes and restaurants are one of the best ways for people with dementia to still be socially included mm. and then yeah it was very interesting seeing how carers thought a lot of cafes and whether it was customer service whether it was the layout didn't help people with alzheimer's and dementia whereas they would have disagreed as cafe owners um so it was cool seeing like how they believed differently and how the dis- and the problem is like by 20 is it 2050 or 2020 there's gonna be over a million people with dementia yeah, one in three people will have the disease in their life. So that's like, oh, that's scary. So I was just like, I want to see how these people are going to do business differently. Like people get it during employ, like while they're getting employed and they're yeah. scared to tell their employer because they know they'll lose their job. Mm-hmm. Whereas they should be openly able to talk about it and work out a plan of how can we help you with this disease rather than you're fired. Yeah. You can, you've forgotten the numbers 10 times now. And yeah they don't know why but they just yeah. think they're being lazy yeah so there's a there will be so much more study done into it but yeah i learned a lot in that and i loved it that's cool dave how can our listeners connect with outside in yeah so i want outside in to be more than just a hat more than just an interaction so i believe that that can only start by you interacting with people in the street so i'd encourage you yeah to get one of our hats or to give one out and 
to hear their story um, and help rewrite their stories. We talk about by bringing in hope and especially at Christmas, we're known about giving. Well, why not start now and see that whether it's a relationship, you get to meet this guy on a daily, on a daily basis, a weekly basis, and just see how they are. Um, I'd encourage you to, to get involved that way. Or if there's an, we're open to new ideas and creativity and ways that outsetting can grow um, giving days, whether it's, ideas you have of how to help the homeless i believe that outside in is open to new ways of connecting and helping people in the streets because we all have different skills and i believe when we collectively come together and use those skills for people in the street that's how we see homelessness ended when accountants pediatricians dietitians we all have these skills that can definitely be used in the street so although we say yeah interact i believe when you interact you'll find out how we can then help them so it's the first basis so yeah, I'd love you to get involved in, in the sharing and the wear one, share one. Yeah, so you can check out all our stuff um, on our website at www.weareoi.com. And we use that also for our Facebook and Instagram. So it's We Are Oi. Um, so yeah. yeah, thanks for having me. David, honestly, mate, thanks so much for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. No problem. It's been a pleasure. All right, guys, Matthew here again real quick before we close today's show. Again, if you'd like to see a written version of the story with photos and links, head over to our website. And another quick plug for our meetup, which is happening on Sunday, 2 p.m., Spirit of Belfast. Going to be an awesome time. Connect with local creatives. Try to win some outside in products and hear David's story live in the flesh as well. Also like to remind you guys of our Facebook group. Basically, it's a close group where we talk all things to do with Belfast, photography, and also organize some smaller events to meet up and get out and about in the city too. Our intro and outro is by the awesome Belfast-based band Wanderers, and the song is, as always, Light It Up. You can find them on Spotify and on YouTube, and they're gigging quite a lot at the minute, so make sure you guys check out what they're getting up to easiest way to do that's probably going to be their instagram page it's at wanderers ni other than that please do say hello to outside in on social media and let them know what you thought of their story and their awesome products guys thank you so much for listening my name is matthew and this is the best of belfast podcast Rebecca, creative at Lines and Current, an online jewellery and accessories brand. And I live in East Belfast with my husband, John, who also works on our business with me and our three kids. 
I like listening to the best of Belfast podcast because I really love to hear the nitty gritty stuff that comes with those types of unfiltered conversations that Matt has with his local guests. I'd say my favorite episode was probably that one with Grace Chambers, the 91 year old park run record holder. I think for us, um, we really like what Matt is doing and we've loved supporting what he's doing. Um, he seems to just be shining a light on the Northern Irish people, community and exposing all those untold stories. So yeah, if you've been on the fence about joining the Producers Club and you'd miss Best of Belfast if it wasn't there, I recommend you consider joining today. You can do so over at bestofbelfast.org and I look forward to seeing you in the WhatsApp group soon.